welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition. That's right. We've got another great interview coming to you from somebody that is using Kickstarter right now to try to get a project funded. Who are we talking to on Skype today? Hey, everyone. My name's Cody. I'm the creator of Dungeon Duelers and the owner of Medieval Man Studio. And of course, we will get to that. We will spend some time letting you know about that project. But before we do that, of course, we're going to get to know Cody a little bit. So, Cody, what do you do for a profession, sir, besides design games? My main job is I'm a art director for a company that makes promotional products. I'm also a co-owner of it. But my main job on a day-to-day basis is to oversee the, the design and make sure all the products are coming out right. Did you do the art for uh, Dungeon Duelers then? Most of it, yeah. I did most of it. I have a couple of my guys helping me out on it, but 90% of the graphic elements and stuff I did. Nice. Cost savings right there. Exactly. (laughs) All right. And of course, since the Game of Crowdfunding interviews are part of the All Us Geeks podcast, I need to know what makes you a geek, sir? I would say first and foremost is my obsession with board games. I can't say I'm much into video games, but I've been playing and collecting board games for at least 10 years now. And I know I'm obsessed with fantasy, medieval, and I hate to stereotype, but I'd say that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have any uh, hobbies or passions that you take to a geek level that most people might not consider geek-related? Actually, yeah, I do uh, do quite a bit of woodworking. I grew up doing woodworking, and I always wanted to be a carpenter and stuff, but then I realized my passion for art and gaming. So I actually make a lot of uh, game tables. Uh, I make custom wooden boxes for some of my uh, more valuable games, and I do quite a bit of that stuff, actually. I always uh, love hearing people's passions outside of what most people would consider geek-related because we do like to point out that you can really geek out about anything. I mean, you can have that passion level about all kinds of things. So awesome. All right. So Medieval Man Studio, is that then, uh, is that just for gaming? Is that a new, a new concept just for gaming? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, my company, we create promotional products for every industry you can think of from museums to the army and everything. And so I've always wanted to focus on board games, but the money potential was never there. And so I decided finally just to go ahead and give it a go. And I have several games I've designed in the past, and this one was probably my most important. So we decided to use this one as our start, and we started Medieval Man Studio, hoping that this would kind of kickstart our uh, board game making path. (laughs) Just to step back a little bit, can you point to the switch that kind of went off that said that this is the time? to create Medieval Man Studio and to uh, try to get into the gaming industry? Was was there something that you can point to for that? Or what was the progression, I guess? You know, me and a couple of my workers, we we play our you know board games every day on lunch breaks and after work. And, and we all have a passion for it. And we've actually created board games in the past for some of our clients, mostly for promotional, you know, marketing things. And once we kind of realized uh, is about, I don't know, six months ago, we realized that we, we had the capabilities to, to make games if we wanted to. And, you know, that was a pretty big hitting point right there that we realized if we could just apply the, the time and the focus on, on designing games and, you know, actually being able to create them ourselves, it, it might be possible to, to do it. So we all sat down and Dungeon Duelers was our primary focus for a couple months there trying to make sure it had the potential to to get us in that direction okay so when you were sitting down and and deciding i mean was dungeon duelers already a concept before that decision was made i mean was this something you'd worked on in the past or did it come about with the creation of medieval man studios no dungeon duelers has been something in my head for a long time it stems back from my when i first started gaming when i was playing games like Pokemon and, and stuff like that. And then I, when I got into fantasy and medieval games and, and stuff like that, we, we uh, mostly me, I started tossing around the idea of combining those two worlds of collecting monsters and all that. And I didn't take it very serious. It was, it was always just for fun. And when I introduced it to some of the guys at work, we, you know, we messed around a little bit. We kind of trimmed it down and made it a playable game that we would just play for fun. And then 
And then when we decided to move to Medieval Man and, and start that, we decided Dungeon Duelers was that that big project that we knew had a lot of potential. So, All right. So for you and for the other, it, it sounds like there's a, a team behind Medieval Man Studios, not, yeah. not just yourself. So when you guys got that focus, I guess is what we'll call it, uh, when you guys focused in on Medieval Man Studios needs to be something and Dungeon Duelers is what we're going to go with. How did you decide to go about taking that from idea to product you want to bring to Kickstarter? Was there, did you have any kind of process that you, you put in place or that you already knew of or how did, how did that come about for you? Well, we, we've had a, a rough prototype of the game that we've put together. We didn't spend any great amount of time on artwork or, or graphics or anything like that. We had a prototype that we would you know, bring out at lunchtime and, and play around with. And when we decided, you know, we could actually make this into a real quality game. Uh, at first, we weren't even going to consider starting a company or anything. We just wanted to make the game and maybe try and sell it. We deal with a lot of retail companies and thought we could get our foot in the door. But when we started designing the game and the kind of components that it needed and and we turned it into a real game, we listed the components and, and the, how we wanted to make them and tried to be innovative in the materials we'd use, we realized we were in over our heads when it came to just doing this in our free time. So I, I decided I'd start a off branch of, you know, our main job was and try and take it a little bit further and, and realize we needed the funding to actually make this come to life, you know, and to be its full potential. Okay. But I would love to know from concept in your head to even creating the prototype what did you consider while doing that? I mean, again, an idea in your head, because I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, on my end, and this is me, not you, I'll, but the ideas in my head are always initially way more awesome than once I get them out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then once like I've uh, tortured my fiance with them for a while and she's helped mm-hmm. me make them into actual playable games instead yep. of this grand idea with explosions and fireworks and everything <laughs> in my head. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Um, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. My, my wife had to suffer through a lot of that. I, the game in my head, all I had was I actually start the opposite. I have this very vague general idea i wanted monsters i wanted controlling the monsters but not so childish to say as pokemon but not such a dark world such as dungeons dragons i had this idea very vague and i started tweaking it into a playable game but obviously every idea i had i just started throwing into it oh you could do this you could do that oh let's add this in there oh i've got a cool idea let's add that and eventually we had a game that was seven games in one and luckily, I've had a pretty good team, you know, group of guys at work that would throw out ideas. Oh, well, if you can do this, then why can you do that? And we started tweaking it. And over time, I'd say my first prototype where I decided to start drawing out some monsters, writing some rules down on a you know notepad, I was terribly off. I, I didn't have a playable game. I had, as I said, seven games in one. And uh, when I showed it to them, we kind of started narrowing it down to what would be an actual individual game and tearing it apart and when we got our first idea that we thought was good to go we tested it out and it was terrible too many mechanics and and just not enough organization so we just kept chipping away at it and this is still months before we decided anywhere near medieval man when we finally got to our actual prototype that we were playing on a daily basis and we were just having fun with it it was at that point we realized it actually had potential to be a real boxed game I know I've gone through a similar process. Again, I'm at best, and I, I say this all the time, but I, I don't ever want anybody to think I consider myself a serious game designer because I've put my heart and soul into the podcast side of things and kind of left that part as I'm very much a hobbyist. But I know some of those processes. And like I said, for me, I know it's like, oh, my God, this is... <laughs> and then I put it in front of my fiance and she's like, no, it's, this yeah. is, this is going to change. This is going to change. And then eventually, and bless her heart, uh, she does put up with a, a lot of terrible stuff multiple times until she's the person that helps me make it a playable game. And then, then I, then I go to masses. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she suffers through the muck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I actually, I take it one step further at home. I have two kids, five and seven. They're pretty much my ultimate play testers. I throw the game out there in front of them 
And if, if they understand it, obviously I have to, I have to simplify it quite a bit, but if I can make them, if I can see them have fun playing it, then, uh, you know, it seems like I'm doing it right. But the first couple of times I brought dungeon duelers home, you know, I tried to get my wife to help me out and she didn't understand it. And the kids had no idea what was going on. I had so much in there. So, you know, I, I basically watched them play it how they wanted to play it and, and kind of saw where I was going in the right directions and wrong directions and then take it back to the guys at work. And, and it, it took a lot of people tweaking it. And, but, uh, it's cool to see my idea where it is now. So have you done any play testing outside of the core group? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a game store in my, my hometown. We have a comic book store about a mile away and I used to go there twice a week at night and play Dungeons Dragons. I took it to them a couple times and, Try to do blind testing, let them play it without me sitting there using my notepad of rules. And, and that didn't work out so well. So I had a guy at work help me type out an official rule book. And, and once we got a pretty decent prototype, we took it there and let them play it again. And, you know, with no direction from me. And, and it was pretty entertaining. Uh, at first, we, we went through a lot of, a lot of hills. We climbed a lot of them and there's a lot of issues, but we were at the point now where, uh, last time I went to the shop. Uh, we gave the game, you know, gave the game to the guys and they sat and played it, loved it. And uh, I sat with them and, and watched how they interacted with the game, make sure I wasn't missing things. And like I said, it took a lot of people and it's been pretty interesting to see how the game's changed from my initial concept. So again, it's, you've done some play testing and all that stuff and you've gotten this feedback and you've done the blind play testing and kind of worked on a rule book and all that stuff. Was there more to it? Was there a lot more back and forth? Was there anything before you decided, hey, Kickstarter, it's time to hit up Kickstarter? Well, once we realized that the game was pretty much done and we, we had it ready to go, our next step with, from there was going to just be, let's produce a couple copies, show it off to some of our retail clients, see what they say. And then we started sitting down, trying to create the, the coolest components we could, uh, making the game you know, interesting. And, and then at that point, we're like, you know, in order for us to make this, it would cost quite a bit. And then we actually were going to just forget about it. We realized in order to, to make the game and for it to be profitable, like, we couldn't do that. And we'd been watching Kickstarter for a while. And, and uh, it was actually my decision, you know, hey, let's launch a Kickstarter and see if we can get funding to, to make this game to its full potential. And, and basically, that's where that took off is went from no, we can't do this. Uh, on our own and we didn't think kickstarter was possible for us because we weren't sure if we had enough of the right components and you know any game these days that doesn't have miniatures is is <laughs> usually turned away from and and we we tried we tried our hardest to see where we can squeeze in some miniatures but it's just not that type of game so believe it or not that was actually a big deciding factor <laughs> and then finally we decided just to go for it and the two games actually came in at that point we figured you know, we have enough to make two totally different games. So let's see if, uh, if that's enough to interest people. Yeah. And when we get to that point, obviously we'll definitely talk about that a bit. Cause as you are aware from, uh, our conversation during the draft pick stuff, uh, that, that's one of the things that had me pick your project as a draft pick because it's an interesting way to come at Kickstarter. It's an interesting thing. It, it stands out enough that I want to see what goes on here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before we get there, of course, I, I, I still got some questions for you on uh, pre-Kickstarter stuff, or at least the uh, Medieval Man Studio side of things. So going through the process of getting Dungeon Duelers ready, and, and did you actually get a, a good prototype together? And, and is that where you went, wow, this costs a lot? Or yeah, we, we put together about, I'd say, 75% of a finished prototype. Some of the components that we chose to use or we wanted to use, we could order, but we had to order in bulk. And we weren't ready to do that because we weren't sure if we were going to succeed or not or take it much further. So minus a few of the components, we got a, a pretty good uh, – we actually made a couple prototypes because we knew we wanted to send some out for reviews and stuff. So we put together about five prototypes that were about 75 percent complete yeah we we had a little bit of conversation i believe early on about uh so you did send out the review copies have you gotten any other reviews back yet though i had one review back and uh the guy that i sent out to review wasn't one of the major reviewers or anything it was actually a buddy of mine who's 
who was doing it for a while, and I saw he reviewed some games for Kickstarter. So I had him review the game, and the review that he wrote was more so about, not so much about gameplay, and it was about the idea of the game, and he really liked the concept and the mechanics and stuff. What didn't really seem helpful, and the rule book he struggled with, and that, that was on our end because we have no graphical elements in it. It was just plain, and I think, uh, I, you know, when he did his review, I don't think he had a full understanding of it. And since then, we've actually made a, a much clearer version, and I didn't send it out to him because I was kind of focusing on other other reviewers at the time. Okay. So, so other than that, no, haven't got any reviews <laughs> back. I think we got pushed aside. <laughs> Medieval Man Studio, I mean, it sounds like your idea is, and, and if I'm understanding the conversation correctly, this is your kind of like your flagship, your kickoff game. So mm-hmm. you have ideas for other games that you want to do through Medieval Man Studio? Is that? Oh, absolutely. I probably have a, a shelf at work with about 40 <laughs> rough paper and pencil game ideas that I've thrown around. And Dungeon Duelers was the was the biggest one. That seemed like the, the one that was an actual world, something that, you know, could players could immerse themselves in and we could create expansions and and all different types of games based on that one idea. But I do have quite a few other uh, games that got as far as a rough prototype and just got tossed aside. So I'm hoping to bring those to life later down the road. And usually uh, when I'm talking to somebody, and I think I kind of know some of the answer for for you from this conversation, but uh, a lot of people are heavily on the design side or heavily on the publishing side or put up with both sides of it because they want to create the game that they've made. Do you find yourself, are you comfortable with doing the the full spectrum? I mean, designing and publishing and going through, you know, you're going to have to go through the manufacturing and printing and, and the fulfillment and all that stuff. Is that something that you're comfortable with? Uh, yeah, we, we manufacture and produce stuff every day. Uh, I oversee that and I, uh, the design is my, my main hobby and well job, I'd say I have a lot of people willing to help, especially at work. They have to help. But, uh, I think if we will have to outsource some of the work, it's undoubted that we can't do it all just because we don't have the capabilities, just some of the components that we can't manufacture. But I think uh, we discussed it a lot and that's how we came up with our budget. I think we could, uh, the design mostly is done. Uh, the art, I have myself and, and two other guys that actually are going to be doing the rest of the art. We've got um, a bit to finish up. So between us three doing the art and, you know, the workers that have a good knowledge of, of what we'll be doing already, I think we're prepared to make the game no problem. Um, we've already established established the connections with the people that we'll be outsourcing the other components to. And, and they're actually waiting for a call from us. Um, we've got everything we need in order. It's just getting the getting to that final stage now. So while developing Dungeon Duelers, and then, of course, you know, like you said, you've got other games that if this one gets off the ground that you would like to follow up with, have you kind of gotten a design process flow in place for yourself as a designer, or are you still kind of feeling that out? I would say I I start with theme. I, I have a lot of themes in my head, you know, zombies and pirates and all that, and once I get the theme down, I, I kind of just create, just start thinking about the type of game I want to play. You know, do I want a strategic game, competitive game, cooperative? And those two usually come first and go hand in hand. You can't make a, well, you can make anything. But <laughs> when, I, when I get from from the idea of the game, the theme, and, and how I want the game to play out, then I'll start, you know, pen and paper and start throwing down some, some uh, ideas and and start grabbing, I tear apart. I have a whole shelf of games that are just torn apart now because I just take components from them. And, and I'll start playing around, trying to I keep a notepad and start writing down some mechanic ideas. And, and then after that, I before I get too far, I go straight to work. <laughs> Bring it to the guys at work and ask them if it's stupid or or even at home, I'll just ask my wife or, you know, what's this idea seem to use? Is it possible? And, and uh, I, you know, after that, then I'll start fleshing out the real real mechanics and I tend to jump forward to art. I choose a an art style way sooner than I should, but I always have a vision in my head before I go too far. Well and being an artist is it's kind of easy for you to leap to, right? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. And and that's probably another uh, reason to potentially produce your own games, because if you turn it over to somebody else, the first thing they're going to do is go look for an artist. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, I already have a complete idea of how I want the game to look. And that's why choosing components was tough, because I had all these amazing ideas of all this cool stuff we could do with it. But some of it was so unpractical and I had to, you know, I have to put away my creative side sometimes and focus on reality. But I jump right to the art and think of a board games, all visual, you know, and uh, I think I think I usually start there with how I want the game to to feel when you're playing it. So what kind of. Uh, research did you do before you launched to to go into the Kickstarter realm to jump into that huge huge ocean? <laughs> oh man! Uh, well, I first of all I studied every every Kickstarter I could find that was related to board games. I, I looked at all their updates and looked at the bad ones, looked at the good ones, and tried to see what the similarities and the differences. And then I started reading over blogs and. And everything I started Googling when to do a Kickstarter, you know, what not to do, how to advertise, how to promote it. I, I, I'm not the marketing guy for, for my business. My wife usually handles a lot of that. So she helped me out. She, her friend of hers actually ran a successful Kickstarter. So we got in touch with her and, and, uh, I tried to do as much as I could. Every question I asked, you know, I could think of, I, I just started searching and, and tried to find all the right answers. <laughs> And that's a little bit about how kind of you and I started talking too was, uh, you, you were on the Facebook groups and you were asking for feedback on the, on the project. And that's kind of how we, that's kind of yeah. how I first found your project and, and decided to bring it onto the draft pick. But yeah, we kind of started talking there. It, it's nice to see that you, you know, you're, you're still looking for feedback and you're still willing to take feedback and all, all that good stuff. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. We, uh, after launching, it wasn't long after launching more questions popped into my head and started, you know, oh man, how come I didn't think of this? And, you know, we didn't lose our confidence or anything, but we definitely, definitely started thinking we didn't take advantage of some, some possibilities that we had, especially when it came to reviewing and, and getting <laughs> input. You know, I figured I have a, a solid team of guys that know what they're doing and my wife and stuff like that. And so we all, we were all pretty confident in it, and we still are, but the Kickstarter world is, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot different than I, than I thought. And you really can't know that until you start one. And I hate to say it, no matter how much research I did, there were things that happened from day one that I could never have accounted for from a Google search. All right. And we're going to start talking about the project here pretty quick. Okay. But I, I got to give you a little crap up front, man. Where's that gameplay video you promised me? You know what? <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm going to tell you the honest, honest God truth right now. I sat uh, last Saturday, <laughs> I got all my components together. I had a, a buddy from, from work come over and I told him, hey, we're going to sit and we're going to play the game. We're going to videotape it. And I, I got to get this video up. I, I, I've received several messages about it. And um, <laughs> so we started. We started playing the game and we started filming it. And I can tell you what, there's a reason that you don't see me in my intro video. <laughs> I am, I'm not good on video. I begged my wife. I said, you know, geeks love a pretty face. Please just be on camera. And uh, <laughs> she wouldn't do it. It was hard. We started filming and we started playing. And when I play board games, I get so into them. And as we started watching watching it, it looked fake. I was so enthusiastic. And, and I, so I have half of a video, to be honest with you. And then after we realized the video was an hour long to watch me play the game from start to finish, it was an hour long. So I said, well, why don't I do a quick overview video? And I started filming uh, just me talking, describing how the game would play and the, the special features and stuff like that. And I tell you what, I'm so unconfident I'm in the camera <laughs> and I get so nervous. I start stuttering and, and every word out of my mouth is, uh, and so I gave up. I got frustrated and said, you know what? I'm going to just post the rule book up there or something, but I know that's not going to work. So I'm still working on the video. I got half of one. I got some editing to do. And I promise you, hopefully within the next two days or so, I'll just get over my insecurity and post it up there. Hopefully that'll be a, a boost that we need. If it's possible, here, here's pretty much kind of most of what you need. The, the overview, like you talked about, just a real quick generalized overview. And then maybe a, a couple rounds. 
yeah. of a game. You don't need to necessarily do a full game and or just a couple rounds and then cut if there's like a big scoring or something that needs to happen at the end, maybe cut to the end of a game or something like that. It's really kind of all you need. You just want to give people a taste of, of what you got going on. It is good that you got the rule book and stuff up, though. I'm I'm just giving you crap because you and I have talked about this a couple times. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I actually ended up doing is as in the start of the video, I'll just be talking about it, ex- explaining the components and then. And then I just highlighted a few of the the moves of each uh, each player, and then we went straight to the end game. And I and then at the end I talk about you know what I what I didn't discuss while I was playing, kind of like a narration. And I, like I said, all I'm doing now is is editing and trying to trying to get over my camera fear. <laughs> all right, all right. Here's what we're gonna do right now. Ready? Absolutely. Give me your elevator pitch for uh, Dungeon Duelers. Uh, let let the people know what this game is on Kickstarter. All right. Dungeon Duelers. Well, both games. There's two games. Both games are about players taking the, the roles of, of duelers that control monsters in battle. They have to capture a monster and then they, you know, using magic, they command it in arenas, fighting each other, trying to become the best dueler around and earn a earn a title and some glory and and then we have a second game that actually continues that story that puts the players together in almost like an adventuring party where they're using their monsters to complete quests and help out and overcome, you know, challenges and continue that path of glory even further. So Dungeon Duelers is of course on Kickstarter right now. Uh he's sitting at uh, 30% funded right now, a little over $3,000. He's looking for 10,000. And it ends uh, December 24th, 2013, the morning of. So December 23rd is actually the, the last full day. Yeah. So he's looking uh, to get $10,000 by December 24th. So go check that out. And, of course, I will have a link in the show notes. And Cody has a banner ad on the website as well. So you can always go over to allusgeeks.com and just click on that, and I'll take you right to the project as well. One of the cool things that I find interesting about this again, it's, it's kind of a, a brave, brash, bold kind of thing. It, it, not in a bad way. I don't want anybody to think I mean that in a bad way, but the thing that, that kind of drew me in a little bit is that you, you're an unknown. Mm-hmm. This is your first flagship game and you're like, you know what? Two games <laughs> deal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so that was like, all right, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. Let me, let me keep looking. And of course, uh, the one game you, you call like the the beginning, the Dungeon Duelers beginning. That's the is that the co op one? Uh, that's the competitive one. Okay, that's the competitive one. And then the Dungeon Duelers Champions Quest is a co op or a semi co op. Which one is it? I can't remember now. Um, it's completely cooperative. Okay, so cooperative. So it, it's interesting that you've got the the two different versions. You've got the the competitive and the co op, and You've got levels where you got pledge levels where if if somebody's really only interested in a competitive game, they can just get the competitive one. Uh, if they're just interested in the co-op one, they can get the co-op one or they can get both. So it's not like you're like, bam, take them both or take nothing. Uh, but it, it's just an interesting move to go. Here's a Kickstarter for two games. Yep. And so that, like I said, that drew me in and that, and I got to go through your page and I gave you some feedback. And of course it eventually ended up with us having this conversation right here. But I, I know, I, I guess I kind of know some of this because like you said, you, you, when you were developing the game, you kind of had so much going on that it, it could have been seven games. But how did you decide we're bringing in two and, and we have a co-op and a competitive I mean, how, how did that come about? Okay, that's – I'll try and put it simply. <laughs> I wanted to capture the world that we created. Uh, that was – like I said, when I design a game, I tend to focus on theme and the overall look of the world. And I know what I wanted everyone else to see. I wanted everyone to see what I saw. And so as I designed the first game, in the beginning came first. I designed the game and it was supposed to cover the whole story from – players just starting out on their journey of capturing monsters to becoming champions. And that was it. And then that wasn't the end of the world though. We had created so much more. I I wrote background stories for, for each character that um, where they tied together in the end and, you know, in the beginning all the way to the end. And, and then the second game came into play because I didn't feel like once you played the first game, you had a, a complete idea of what dungeon duelers really is. It wasn't just a, 
idea or theme that popped up and we created a game and that was it. You'd never see it again. I wanted to create this continuing immersive world where, where you knew was never going to end. And in the beginning, it covers the start of your, you know, long journey. So we created that first game and the second game didn't finish it, but it gives you an idea of where the rest of, uh, rest of it goes. So the first game players enter the world. They learn about it. They figure out what, what, where their role is, where they fit in. And then the second game basically lets them create a, a career or an adventure ahead. And we, we figured we'd do two games because with only one, we were afraid people would just look at it and glance away because we just didn't feel like there was enough there and we couldn't squeeze it all into one game because it didn't make sense for it to go cooperative or competitive and then cooperative for two totally different styles of gameplay. So we created two games. We played the heck out of both of them, figured out, you know, they were both great and we were going to launch two separate Kickstarters and do one later down the road. But then, like I said, we were just afraid that the idea wouldn't come across strong enough and we wanted people to, to jump right into the game and know that there's more and it's not going to end. And that's where the two games came in. So doing both games together and, and I gotta say, I mean, it's hard to say. And obviously we, we've got time to try to see how it plays out, but I think you might have potentially, especially as a, a new, uh, a new publisher as well, putting up a game called the beginning with nothing else around it may or may not uh, scare some people off as well. So that it might have been a pretty decent calculated move to do both of them together to show that, yeah, there is more to this. <laughs> yeah. So that I can see that as well. That That's kind of an interesting way. Are you able, if you happen to have, which looking at the numbers right now, it doesn't look like this is the case as of right now, but if you had, say, like a 50-50 type split of people that just want the beginning and just want championship quest or champions quest, would that be feasible? What do you mean? As in production wise? Or? Right, right. I mean, it, it, as far as, you know, you, you threw them both up together. Obviously, one of your hopes is that people will get both and enjoy both. But because there is the option of one or the other, yeah. if it happened, is that something that was potentially planned for, I, I guess? Uh, we definitely planned for that because uh, the components... And that's, we focus completely on the components at that point. We realize if we made two games, we're talking about two boxes, you know, two sets of everything. And so we designed at that point, when we knew we were going to do two games, we started looking at the design and saying, well, how can we make them the same? And so both of the maps are the same. All the cards are the same. All the components are the same. One game has a few extra components. The other doesn't and vice versa. They're all made in the same way, same materials. The boxes are the same size. We designed it to where they are, you know, we tried to stick to that theme, two games, one world, you know, hopefully getting that idea that you are literally, you're not playing two completely different games. And when we designed um, the components, we tried to keep that in mind that if, if it came down to it, we can produce, you know, a hundred copies of this game and then switch right over to a hundred copies of the other game without changing setups and all that. It was just a matter of switching over the art and, and so on. So yeah, we definitely prepared for that. Okay. And then you also have quite a few add-ons for uh, the games as well that, that people can add on different options to add components to the game. And I'm always curious. I mean, I know the big guys can eat a lot of that cost, but what happens for you if, say, one person picks this, two people pick this, five people pick this. I mean, is it going to be really feasible for you to onesie twosie these kind of things if that's, if that happens? Well, like we create promotional products every single day. We fulfill orders from five pieces of just sample orders to 10,000 pieces of a small item. I handle this on a daily basis when problems come my way. You know, fulfilling orders is no problem. The add-ons we just dug in and said, you know what? We create promotional products. That is what we do. We, you know, I, I know the back of my hand, I know how to design cheaply, uh, you know, as a company, <laughs> as an owner, and I have to watch my own capital and budget. And, and I know how to somewhat market to the people. I don't do most of the sales, but you know, the add-ons, they really affect the game, but we design them intentionally knowing that half of the stuff we can, we can make without actually doing much more than we're already going to do when we make the game. You know, some of the, the monsters, you can add on a few monsters. 
that's just simply producing a few more carbs. You know, some of the extra stuff we have sitting in our shop, like the roll or the, the map tubes, we have those that we created for another game. So we figured that's easy, you know, and, and we know what we're doing when it comes to that kind of stuff. And that was actually the easy part, believe it or not. I could see how that would be kind of daunting to some companies how to handle that, but that was the easy part for us. And we still have a ton more add-ons we want to do if we feel like we're going to actually get to that point. So let me ask you this question then. It sounds like, are you guys producing this kind of in-house-ish? I mean, is this staying in the States other than getting some parts and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Some of the processes that we do every single day for, for the promotional stuff are the same processes that are used for creating a lot of the game components. Quality is not, a, not an issue at all. We, we only make sure we do the best quality and we design the components knowing that, knowing our limitations. And when we decided there were some that we couldn't do, we made sure that we had the ability to get it done. Everything will be made in the U.S. Uh, actually, the, the one company that we're outsourcing some of the components to is in the same state. It's in Florida and okay. uh, everything's local. I can drive if I, if needed be, I could drive to the warehouse where the other stuff will be made and, and check on that. But I'd say 75% of it's going to be made right here in our shop. Okay. Yeah, because I, I noticed also too, I mean, this is, again, kind of a, a brave thing to put up, but that you're, uh, you're, you're targeting January for delivery. Yep. So you're ending December 24th and planning to try to deliver in January. So I, putting those together as like, and, and listening to you talk is like, okay, they, they must be doing this in house because there's, there's just no way. I'll tell you right now, we're, we're, we're producing components right now. You know, I did that today. We have a, we have, like I said, some machinery in the shop, a laser and stuff like that. And today we produced about a hundred copies worth of, of some of the components today. We're doing it now, regardless of the Kickstarter, but the Kickstarter makes it. We decided the Kickstarter would make it to where we could put as much in the game as we wanted to and make it affordable. Because as of right now, we're still going to produce the game, Kickstarter successful or not. But at this point, we're talking about an entirely different retail price, entirely different amount of contents. And so what you see on the Kickstarter is what we're aiming for. But we are actually working on it right now. Our artist, myself and my other two artists are, are pumping out art, trying to get it done and make sure it's print ready, but we can hit print on our, our machines as soon as we are ready. We don't have to send stuff out and wait for proofs to come back. And, and the only components we have to outsource, we accounted for on time. And that's what we're sending out right away. That's kind of, so is, is that kind of then your, I'm assuming kind of your overall plan for going forward for your game, game company is that you'll probably produce as much as possible in-house. Absolutely. And that's when we jump, when we, when we made the decision, when I made the decision to start Medieval Man, I knew that it might be rough at first, but I want to produce board games. Like that's all I want to do. Promotional products, you know, is how I earn a living, but I want to produce board games and, and we can do it. And this first game is going to be our, you said our flagship and, and allow us to jump into that completely. But yes, every game we make, we're going to design based around our capabilities. And, and, um, you know, like I said, quality is not an issue. It's just, when we design the components, we're going to choose accordingly. And uh, we hope to expand, actually. Um, we hope to get different equipment and, you know, so we don't have to limit ourselves on what we can produce and not rely on other companies to outsource. So do you have any aspirations to, say, like publish other people's games or, or is it just strictly an in-house, your, your core group kind of thing that you're looking at right now? Well, when I chose the name of the company, Medieval Man Studio, I named it so instead of Medieval Man Games, I decided if I named it Studio, I would hopefully be making it, you know, seem apparent that we can, we are a studio that can be hired. My primary passion is art. And I have two other guys that are amazing artists. And I know what we can produce. And like I said, we actually have produced games for some of our clients, but only as marketing uses and small runs. But we would like to to be approached by, you know, people like us, small, you know, companies or, or designers that have these passions that say, Hey, look, I want this game made, but I can't afford, you know, 10,000 copies. Can you make me 20 copies? Well, that's a, that's nothing. That's a day's work for us. As long as we're focusing on our own stuff. If I could describe it in this way, when you go to our potential website that we don't have up right now, you would see our products and then services. 
we would provide some service as a studio and not just a game publisher. We're kind of tangenting, but this is uh, this is kind of interesting to me. So you're talking about potentially offering services up. Would you be looking at offering those services as we can make your full-blown game, or are you looking at it more like we can help you make a quality prototype? Have you thought about that that side of it at all? Yeah, we did. And unfortunately, it all comes down to how we how Dungeon Duelers takes off because Dungeon Duelers, we hoped and we still hope that it has the potential to be our big flagship, but continue on, you know, with, with expansions. And, and we would love to put all of our focus on that world and create that stuff. So most likely the way it looks as of now, we want to focus on Dungeon Duelers. And if someone approaches us wanting a small run of games for prototype services or, or just, you know, just to, just to have, we could offer that. But if the production capabilities arise to where, you know, we can get some more staff and, you know, the equipment needed to where we can do a run, a large, large run of games, but still have guys, you know, workers focusing on our stuff, then, yeah, I'd love to do that. But as of right now, like you said, we'll offer quality prototypes and small runs and still focus on our stuff kind of. Well, you know what? If you get to that point, Cody, uh, come back and have another conversation with me. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll let people know. But of course, uh, right now we want to talk a little bit more about Dungeon Duelers. <laughs> yes, sir. So here's a question I've been asking recently on, on a bunch of these. Somebody's on the fence. They're checking out your Kickstarter page. They're just like, I want to push the button, but I'm not sure. What uh, What's your selling point? What's your one thing you want to make sure people know and, and will make them go, I have to back this game? With my background of promotional products and marketing stuff, I we focused on value. I wanted people to look at it and say, hey, look, I get two two games and especially focusing on two different genres. You know, Whether they truly got the sense of what we were creating, I was hoping people would see it and say, hey, look, I can play a cooperative game and sit and play a competitive game for the price of, of half of what some of these big box games are going for. And if you look at the list of components – you get quite a bit in the game and it's all quality. So really value was our focus since we knew we're new. You know, we knew that Dungeon Duelers is new to the world of gaming. So we couldn't hope that people would just see our Kickstarter and say, oh, I have to be a part of Dungeon Duelers. So really we just focused on value of what you get for your money. And of course the pledge levels are for $30, you get your choice of which one you want or $50, you get both games. So those are the two primary pledge levels and of course there are quite a few more what's some of your top ones though what what are some of the enticements you're using to try to get people to part with a little more cash right here right before christmas cody well actually our <laughs> you know uh we'll have to talk about that later um <laughs> uh, actually our most popular pledge level is exactly what we hoped and that's the the 150 level and that's that's the level where you get everything we're offering you get both games with every add-on we create, including the probably 20 more add-ons that we plan on throwing up there in the next couple of days. Every stretch goal we reach, you get everything. And uh, that's what we're hoping people would would see is the true true value because it's going to increase. We still have 20 days, I believe, or, or something like that. And um, the value is going to go up quite a bit. And it seems to be the most popular. So I think people are truly truly seeing the value of what they're getting for the prices that we're putting up there. So now is about the time where I usually discuss lessons learned from Kickstarter. And it sounds like you've got at least uh, one or two that you'd like to share. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, what, have, what have you learned so far? And uh, again, jumping into this wide ocean of Kickstarter as a brand new game designer or publisher. Timing, timing, timing as a, marketing and, and promotional background, I was completely mistaken. I hate to say it. I, I was completely mistaken on on what I thought would be a good time to launch a Kickstarter. And I see now it, it's very obvious that, you know, this time of year people are spending money, but they're spending money on things they're gonna get before the holiday. <laughs> and if I could get the games to the people before Christmas Day, I think this would be a whole nother situation. But and I don't want to say it was a mistake. It was just bad judgment. I think a lot of people are hesitating to jump in on the project because, and it's understandable, you know, they have other obligations and commitments with the with this time of the year. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, 
we were not forced into it, but we were ready. You know, I get so passionate, so anxious about things. We, we finally got to the point where like the game's done, you know, minus some artwork. We want the world to see what we've created. So we, we built the Kickstarter. We did all the right, the research in the right areas minus one or two. <laughs> and then we hit launch and, uh, it wasn't long before we started realizing, Hey, you know, would you spend the money right now? And, and it, we were kicking ourselves, but at the same time, we're, we're going to keep pushing. Let me ask you if you've thought of this one yet. I mean, you're, you're going till the morning of Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. which is again, gutsy, my friend, gutsy. <laughs> Have you thought about posting an update? I mean, you're, you're the artist. You've got in-house artists and all that good stuff. How about making up a nice little PDF card or something that people could put under the tree saying, I got you this. It's already done, sir. Okay. Yeah. You did that. All right. Is that, um, is that one of the, yet. oh, it's not an, it's not, no, an update. Update, it's not up yet. I just finished the, it was brought to my, by my beautiful genius wife, uh, in case she <laughs> listens to this. She said, we just got done making our family Christmas cards. And she said, why don't you do a Christmas card for, for dungeon duelers? So that way, you know, people get something in hands before then. And, I thought it was genius. And so immediately I did some research and realized, you know, I'm not the first person to come up with that. So we designed a, a cool Christmas card that actually will come with a sample of the components. So each Christmas card will come in the envelope with one of the monster cards. And we're not sure which one it's going to be yet, but they will they will be able to see and feel one of the game components. And we thought that would be a little bit different. Again, that's coming from my marketing promotional background and so uh we're hoping people will be excited about that that up uh, that update is planned for probably tomorrow or the day after well one i'm glad it wasn't already up and you know that way i didn't just miss something that i should have should have read before we talked <laughs> but no i there's a good chance i i don't know if you'll get like a full bump because again you you're cutting it close there yeah but it is something that i think a lot of people are, are willing to at least entertain more than they are to just say uh, you know, hey, let me show you this Kickstarter page. I promise I backed this. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, you, you may get a little bump from that. So, so any little bit will help, of course. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we are uh, getting close to the hour here. So any other lessons that you want to, uh, share? You know what? I hate saying how much I, how much passion I have for artwork and, <laughs> And stuff like that. And then when you go to the Kickstarter, we have a lot of great artwork up there that we're very proud of, but we didn't get the art up that I think people really want to see. It's not that we, we couldn't do it or anything like that. It's we focused on a different area than I think we should have. And I know a lot of people are looking at the Kickstarter going, Hey, this game's completely about monsters. Where are the monsters? <laughs> and I promise you, we have all of them designed. They're all concepted. They're all fantastic. We've, you know, when we play the prototype, they're all there in sketch format. And so we were afraid that if we put them up in that format, not complete, it would turn people off. And I think it's a lesson that we're learning real quick because I've got a lot of messages saying, hey, what are the monsters? What do they look like? You know, I want to get their sense of personality and and people just want to see all that stuff. And, and we, we haven't put it up because we're still focusing in so many other areas. And uh, that was definitely an important lesson is um, – Visuals. Kickstarter is a lot about visual and uh, we weren't, I don't think we, uh, we focused our enough attention in that area. I, I'll tell you, man, if you actually do an update, that's even just the sketch. Here's our, our sketch concepts we're working on, you know, the, the inking and coloring and all that gets the, the finals right now. Uh, that'll go a long way. It really will. Yeah. People really do want to see that stuff, even if it is the concept stuff. Uh, so I, I, I think uh, you're a little gun shy where you don't necessarily need to be gun shy. I think people would actually really appreciate that. So yeah. I'd, I'd give it a shot if you're uh, willing to. I appreciate that advice and I, <laughs> I, I will. Um, at this point, you know, looking at where we're at now in funding and, and the potential taking in factors like the timing and all that, I think at this point we're about to uh, just open fire and <laughs> throw every single thing we got out there and hope for the best. But I can tell you, said we're making the game now we're making the game regardless so it's not something that's going to go away that's for sure yeah. and hey how how soon should you uh how soon should you have conversations with game reviewers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> i got phone calls to make when i get out of this call with you that's for sure um another lesson learned we didn't take that so serious because we thought 
you know, hey, we know the game's great. <laughs> and it was another area of, of research that slipped our mind, slipped my uh, my focus. Well, it's a lot of work creating a Kickstarter, man. I tell you, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a lot of work, and of course, uh, we're hoping that this work pays off for you in your first round here. If it doesn't, and if you haven't heard me say this on some of the other interviews you said you listened to, an unsuccessful project, as long as you've learned lessons and know what to change for it, a relaunch is not a horrible thing. But mm-hmm. we are sitting here right now hoping that you don't have to do that relaunch. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to wrap this one up. All right. Dungeon Duelers, again, is on Kickstarter right now goes until the morning of December 24th, 2013. He's currently sitting at about 30%, a little over $3,000. He's looking for $10,000. Go check out this project. Again, the uh, link will be in the show notes, and there is an ad on the All Us Geeks website. You can click there. If you just want to go to allusgeeks.com, click on that one. That will take you over to the project as well. Give it a look. Check out the video. Look at some of the the information. He said again. Uh, Cody told us the rule book is up. He's still working on the video. That'll happen, right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. All right, all right, Cody. I want to thank you for hanging out with me for an hour and spending some time and allowing me to get to know you and and uh, sharing this information with our listeners. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call, man. All right, all right, everybody, go check it out. And of course, I'll be back with more interviews soon. Thank you.